We're switching things up today, and we have the center for the Seattle Seahawks with Callie and Reed, his kids. This is Austin Blythe. Clap it up one time for Austin Blythe. Austin, we appreciate you uh, making time out of your day. You're a family man. You got the, the wifey over there in the corner. She has a two-month-old, and you got your, your big babies right here. Man, how, how's the season been treating you? It's been good. It's gone really fast. It's hard to believe we've only got five games of the regular season left. And, um, yeah, it's gone extremely fast, but it's been, it's been really good. It's been pretty remarkable, the, the turnaround with the offensive line. I think Geno Smith's a big reason for that, too, just the way he navigates and gets rid of the football. But I got to throw mostly on you because the guards are the same. We got two rookie, rookie tackles. You know they're not the reason why. It's got to be the <laughs> veteran center that, that's come in. But you really have been, uh, you know, Pete talks about it all the time, that you're kind of the catalyst for this offensive line. Just talk about that transition from the Rams, you coming up here. Yeah, again, it's been a lot of fun uh, coming back up here with uh, familiar faces and Shane and Andy um, and being able to get back into the system that I'm really comfortable with. Um, but you said it, uh, you know, it's the pieces around me that um, have helped me uh, play well, um, and we're all just playing well collectively. Geno's slinging it around. Running backs are, are running hard. Receivers are blocking downfield. Um, and the guys around us are just, just playing hard. So um, it's been really fun playing with the, the guys on this offense. Austin, one of the things I miss, probably the most thing I miss about playing football is the communication, right? Talking to your guys, being in the huddle, like after a successful play, after a play that didn't didn't really pop like the way you wanted to. What was it like in that huddle, that drive to win the game against the Los Angeles Rams last week? You know, I think we all just spoke belief into each other um, we had faith that we were going to go down the field and, and score and win the game and I think that's just kind of how we've approached the entire season um, guys have faith in one another um, and I think that's just um, a combination of working together throughout the throughout the offseason through camp and now through the season and um, yeah it was just it's fun to get a win like that um, shows that we can do that um, coming down the stretch here yeah, I think, you know, just the opportunity. I don't know how many opportunities you really needed to come from behind. There's been a few games. But, you know, a, a week ago before, you guys did take the lead. You know, and the defense, not the dog, the defense, but they, they gave that up. Um, one thing I, we noticed here, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a Seahawk quarterback audible as much as Geno Smith. And I don't know if that's perception or reality. But maybe share that. And I've, I've, I've heard you've made his life a lot easier, too. But just how involved are you maybe in the those audibles and the whole protection yeah it's a collective effort Gino and myself you know throughout the week um, on on Wednesday we get the game plan um, what the checks are um, what the stipulations to those checks are um, and Gino and myself and really all the guys in the offense are really pretty tuned into that so it's it's very seamless um, you know Shane and the rest of the offensive coaches have a really good game plan really good offense and scheme um, and then getting those checks um, it's just makes it super easy throughout through practice so uh yeah the coaches and gino and the players around us make it easy now I'm, I'm a little bit older than you so when i was playing ball we were in the shotgun our center just used to look between his legs and say okay let's go but now you got a guard that flashes his arm right there to let you know what that timing is like how important is that relationship between you and the guard so that the cadence are on point and you guys are are firing off at the right time it's super important. Um, you know, I think my guard trusts me to let him know if things change in front of him as far as alignments and stuff like that go. Um, and then, you know, once he gives me the signal, uh, giving him enough time to get his feet set and get ready for the play. So everything just really works together to, to, to have a, an efficient play. So just to let you guys know that are here in the crowd and listening, the center is like quarterback B. He makes sure that everyone is protected, everyone is good to go. So Austin is a, a smart individual, and it has a lot of responsibility. Um, so you are, you're playing a position that isn't glorified. Everyone wants to be a quarterback, a receiver, and a running back. When did you make the transition to being a lineman in your football career? Because I talk to a lot of linemen, and they say, well, I started off as a running back, then a tight end, then a DN, and then they put me in the interior line. What was your transition like? 
Mine was a one-step tra transition. I played tight end in junior high, and then I moved uh, moved on to the offensive line. Um, and I played guard in high school, actually. Never played center until I got to the University of Iowa. Um, and then just, you know, the rest is history. So now uh, played many years uh, on the interior part of the <laughs> offensive line now. Well, and you grew up in Iowa, and Iowa was known for wrestling as much as anything. And you were three, four-time state champion wrestler. I was a three-time state champion and a four-time finalist. Good night. I mean, Goodness. It, you know what's weird is I, I my roommate in college uh, was a state champion wrestler. He was a linebacker. I don't hear a lot of DBs, wide receivers, running backs who are state wrestling champions, but you do with the offensive line. What is it about it? Because we've had a few of them uh, with the Seahawks over the years. I think wrestling just you see a lot uh, that translates to playing football and especially offensive line. Uh, your technique, um, your hip position, your your uh, your leverage, where your hands go, um, and just kind of feeling those body movements of the guy across from you. So uh, that just comes directly from wrestling, and I think that's why you see that translate so well and why guys, offensive linemen, um, who wrestled are successful playing football. All right, Anita, uh, I'm going to ask you a dad question. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I got three kids of my own. 12, 10, and 8. When we had one, it was cool, man. We can surround this guy. He's good to go. We had two man-on-man -man defense. Three, we're playing the zone. What's your transition <laughs> from two kids to three kids? How's that been for you? It's been pretty good. You know, my wife, uh, not not saying this because she's in the crowd, but um, she really just does it all. She makes it go around um, <clears throat> taking care of the kids while I'm at work, um, you know, and taking care of the kids while we're on the road. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough job, so I give a lot of credit to her, but uh, I feel like we make a good team, and uh, these kids make it pretty easy, too. You're a smart man. <laughs> good yeah, man, Austin. That, that you are. <laughs> Your wife, Kylie, how did, do you mind if I ask how you guys met? Yeah, uh, we actually met in third grade. Kid. Wow. Yeah, so her, her dad uh, was uh, is a football coach, and he mo moved over to Williamsburg, our hometown, uh, when we were in the third grade, and um, we started dating uh, in college, actually. So we never dated until until we moved off. But you knew each other. Yeah, we've we've known wow. each other for a very long time. Yeah. That is that is remarkable. I mean, that's pretty rare <laughs> just to be with somebody and know somebody that long. And uh, was it once you got into college? Was it oh, we're together? F this is it. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, one night she was having a hard time. She was going back and forth from school, you know, homesick and all that good stuff. So she was home one night and her dad had gotten tired of driving her back to Iowa City and uh, called me up and told me to take her back. And <laughs> <laughs> that was it. The rest is history. Uh, yes. Three kids later. And that's right. Good for you. How long was that drive? 25 minutes. 25. That's yeah. it, huh? Yep. All right. Did yep. you drive slow or fast? <laughs> Uh, it's a good question. <laughs> good question. Probably the speed limit, right, Reed? What's it? What's it like, man? Because um, I was a receiver, so I'm, I'm out in, on the perimeter. You know, there's not a lot going on. I can talk to the D, to the DB if I want to. If I don't want to, I don't have to. But you guys are in the trenches. Every single play, there is contact, man. Um, just describe to people what it's like in the trenches because. People follow the football. They see the quarterback. He throws it. He hands it off. They follow the skill guys. Describe what's it like in the trenches for a guy who was a center who um, is the second quarterback on that offense. Yeah, it's uh, sometimes it's a tough go. A lot of foot traffic. You can get caught up a lot. Um, I don't know if you hear a lot of mic'd ups from offensive linemen or defensive linemen for that matter, but a lot of grunts and, uh, you know, groans and, and noises that aren't, aren't words. So... Um, but it's it's a lot of fun in the trenches, and uh, like you said, it's it's not a uh, position that's often glorified. But um, I think people who know football uh, understand that a good offense goes as a, as a, as the offensive line goes. Uh, you know, I think it, someone would say, "What was the biggest surprise or most improvement?" It, it's been the offensive line. You know, I mean, it's been a huge positive. You've been with some pretty good quarterbacks. I mean, pretty good organization. I can take you back to Indianapolis. It was, was Andrew Luck the quarterback back he then? He was. And then you're Kansas City a year ago, so you got Pat Mahomes, you've got Andy Reid, you had Sean McVay, you've got Pete Carroll. Can you just maybe describe, because I love, you know, we're so spoiled with Pete Carroll and just the whole organization, how awesome it is. But can you describe maybe just some of the differences between where we are here with the Seahawks and maybe Kansas City and, you know, Indianapolis and even the Rams? Yeah, so when I was in Indianapolis, I had Coach Pagano, um, 
and then you know you mentioned Sean McVay uh, in LA and then Andy Reid in Kansas City and now coach uh, coach Pete here in Seattle so I would uh, put Sean and Pete in kind of the same same bowl there um, really upbeat coaches high energy uh, which is kind of shocking because Sean is 36 and Pete is 72 or whatever he is <laughs> it's so it is amazing when I got here I uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I when I when I got here, I was I was kind of shocked. I did not know like he doesn't really, you know, he's an energetic guy, but it's totally different um, in the meetings and on the practice field. So it's been fun getting to play for him. And then you know, and Coach Reed um, in Kansas City, he's a he's a pure professional, um, and he's you know he gets he gets his guys going, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. So, uh, I think some people still think Geno's a mirage. And because he came out of nowhere. And again, you you were with Andrew Luck. I mean, you had Patrick Mahomes. What is it about Geno? I mean, can you maybe describe the difference there or, or what's similar that makes a great quarterback? I think for, for Geno, it's his consistency, uh, the way he's played the entire season, um, you know, throwing balls downfield, uh, moving well in the pocket, taking care of the football. Um, just marks of a great quarterback and that's what Gino's done I mean the, some of the throws he's made are some of the throws that I've seen Andrew Luck make uh, Jared Goff make Patrick Mahomes make so you know I think Gino's got it all and I, I'm really uh, really glad that I, I, I'm here and have this opportunity to play with him uh, we are too well Austin <laughs> we are glad that you are here we're glad that you are here today at uh, Bellevue Square Center Court with your son Reed and Callie and the wife, man. Um, you guys have a, a tough game ahead of you against the Panthers, man. We appreciate your work, and uh, you have a good night, sir. Thanks for having me. All right. Austin Blythe. Give it up one more time for Austin Blythe, the center for the Seattle Seahawks. Coming up next, we'll give you a high-level preview of the Seahawks and the Panthers. That's coming up next right here on Hawks Live. I want to give a big shout-out to Jen, who served for this country she's been a marine for longer than what she thought she was probably going to get into the situation but jen i met jen before the show we appreciate you always want to give love to the people Absolutely. who serve our country amen thank you jen so uh but, but let, let's talk about the seahawks and what happened last week last week they played the los angeles rams a game that i thought that scared me honestly paul because i'm looking at the film and i'm saying okay there's nothing really that this offense or defense does that scares me, and that's what scared me. <laughs> because I'm like, look, we're not planning for Matthew Stafford. We're not planning for Cooper Cup, for Allen Robinson, for Aaron Donald. All those guys are gone. So if you do not have these guys on film, what exactly are you pl planning for? And then we see Sean McVay be the coach that he is, creative coach. He came out that first drive. We saw screens. We saw outside zone, fly sweeps. We saw the short game. We saw him take a shot. And I'm thinking to myself, I go, okay, these guys have to be prepared for everything. It came down to Geno Smith having his signature game-winning drive. I look at that game and I say, you got to be ready for everything more. Man, it's the NFL. I mean, we, we know that. And look, the Rams were so beat up that it was a game that if we played well, we were going to win the game. Um, you know, and it, there's a turnover here. Uh, look, Sean McVay, he was fired up for that game. You know, I, I remember there when I was coaching uh, and Dave Craig, we decided to go young and he left and he went to Kansas City and we played them and they were absolutely better than us. There's no question about it. But I was so fired up to put the best game plan available, and I got the guys fired up, and we blitzed him, and we sacked him like eight times. Right. Still lost the game because we just weren't <laughs> we weren't better than them, and that's what I thought about Sean McVay. I was looking at his script, the first series, and really the second series too, which is about 15 plays. And man, I had to go back and rewatch the film a few times to say how would I have played that, because the way they use the linebackers with fly sweeps. Um, the way they use motion and then, you know, and then all of a sudden go reset. Yeah. People don't realize there, so much is going on there. So if I all of a sudden I motion a wide receiver across the formation, what ends up happening is on the side he started from that motion, we got to change who has force and who has inside fill and where are my gaps. And if I'm two gapping with a cover two, he crosses the formation. I got to change who's got force once again. And then if I don't have the guy who came across with him in motion in the running game to fill, then they've added an extra player to it. So they were doing a bunch of that. They, they didn't beat us with the running back inside. They beat us outside with fly sweeps on that first series and really the first 
first series and a half. We adjusted to it. They had 70, they had almost 150 or 30 yards in the first quarter. They ended up having 318 for the game. Uh, I mean, we pretty much shut them out uh, other than that first drive they had and their last drive. Uh, in between, I thought we played pretty well. But I think the point you were making is, man, you got to be ready every time. Yep. You had Bobby Wagner, who was absolutely fired up for that game. He played, you know, pretty well, pr- pretty well in that game. Um I, I don't I don't really get caught up in stats. I just want to win. And we got the win. I don't care if it was ugly, pretty. Moving on, we got the Panthers. We're 7-5, and five, and it's a game we ought to win, too. You know when I get caught up in stats? Mm. When it favors us. <laughs> or there's something. That, well, you you're, know, you're so on these, radio four so, hours. So, so the, these are the stats that I'm going to say. Mm. 128, 127. DK and Tyler Lockett mm. had themselves a day. DK had eight targets, eight receptions, one touchdown, the game-winning touchdown against the loudest talker in the NFL, Jalen Ramsey, right? <laughs> Clap it up one time for Jalen Ramsey. Jalen, we appreciate you. We love you. We respect you because he's a baller in this game. But it's nice to see DK come through in the clutch against a really good receiver. It's also nice to see Tyler Lockett have a 36-yard touchdown. There's a couple of things that I keep hearing from people when I talk about the Seahawks is that, oh, they're not pushing the ball down the field. I go, hold on, simmer down, simmer down. They do push the ball down the field, probably not to the extent of a – Buffalo Bills or a Kansas City Chiefs. But last week we had a reception of 40 yards, a reception of 36 yards. The 40-yard was for a touchdown. The 36-yard, excuse me, the 40-yard was not for a touchdown, uh, but the 36 yards was for a touchdown. I look at this offense and I say it's an opportunistic offense. Whatever this defense is going to give us, that's what we are going to do. I look at this matchup with the Carolina Panthers and I say, okay, it's going to come down to this defense because I look at what the Carolina Panthers do. Forget what you think about the Carolina Panthers, okay? They can run that football. They will line up with six linemen, two tight ends, a lineman at the fullback position, and get downhill and force you to tackle them. If there's anything that this team has struggled with throughout the this year is the run game. So now, Paul Moyer, I'm interested to see how these guys adjust to that big boy personnel package that's going to be crucial for this team uh, look they've, they've got players now i mean their record's not great they've they've had some inconsistency at quarterback um you know darnold's not bad i mean look when you're drafted that high you have a great arm that, that you don't get drafted in the first round in the top 10 if you don't have that electric arm there's something that doesn't quite equate to how he handles pressure and throwing contested throws you know, he, he completed under 60% of his passes last week, and in this game, that's not good enough. But, yeah, they're, they're talented. Defensively, they're very talented. They're 14th against, uh, I believe, the rush. They're 14th in points scored with an offense that's really struggled. It, it's going to be a close game. It's going to go down to the fourth quarter once again. Um, and, you know, if, if Gino's got the ball in his hand at the end. I feel pretty confident that we'll pull that one off. That's what we're looking for, right? Can Gino get her done? He got it done by the way, he did the week before against the Raiders. But he scored with five minutes left to take the lead. We mm-hmm. gave up that lead again. And granted, he, uh, the last drive in regular uh, during the regular um, uh, period wasn't great. But he's given us leads in the fourth quarter. We just haven't held them. We, we need to continue to do that. But, look, I, I think it's going to be a good game. I, I think sometimes you just need to win a game. You said that some people think we don't push the ball downfield. Yeah, we do. I mean, there's nobody in the NFL that completes more than 70% of their passes other than Geno Smith. He's the only one. He's fifth in yards per attempt. So if he was completing 73% of his passes and his five yards per attempt and he was 28th in the league, I'd say he's a dink and dunker. That's not his game. Nope. He will dink and dunk if there's pressure. If you give him time, I've said this forever for those who have been here, he will push the ball downfield as, as much as anybody in the league, and he's as accurate, if not the most accurate quarterback in the league right now, and his statistics prove it. He's got the second-best touchdown-to-interception ratio in the league. Every one of his stats is top five. Let's stop this nonsense. The guy can play football if we protect him, which we've been doing. They did a great job. We just had Austin Blythe up here. They protected him last week, and, you know, he had a great game. 
He don't only look like his agent. He is his agent. Look at that guy, Paul Moyer, right Let here. Let me have a Gino piece of that. <laughs> Paul Moyer. I'll give him a hometown discount on my side. Hey, tonight is our final show of the season, but it's not too late to stop by. You'll have a chance to win gift cards from the Bellevue Collection Dining District. Tonight, they're giving away gift cards to Tavern Hall, Fogo de Chow, Duke <laughs> Seafood, Daniel's Boiler, in the Living Room Bar and Porch at the W. Bellevue. You guys come holler at us. Coming up next, we're going to talk to linebacker Bruce Irvin. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Right now, we are joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Bruce Irvin. Bruce, what's up, man? (laughs) (laughs) What's up? How y'all doing? Hey, Bruce, I feel you on top, man. I got three of them things at the house. 12, 10, and 8. <laughs> it's active yeah, out there, running, man. They run it. They active right now, man. Hey, I know how it is. It's a beautiful thing, bro. It's a beautiful thing, man. Uh, one, yeah, it definitely um, is. I, I, I want to say I appreciate you, man, because you were born in the 80s. Not too many of us left in the game. So <laughs> off top, 80s, baby, stay alive, man. And you've um, you've done a lot of things for this defense, man. Um, When you were signed to the Seahawks, a few weeks into the season, what was the role that they told you that they wanted you to, to fill? Um, just to kind of just come in and be myself. Um, um, you know, bring some leadership to the OLB room. Um, you know, just kind of just, you know, just be me, basically. Um, we didn't really get on the reps that I was going to be taking. <laughs> um, but just 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 bringing just bringing that tough attitude and that tough demeanor back back into the building. Bruce, I played seven years and I was beat up and it was tiring. I can't imagine you're in your eleventh year and I, I, and you just mentioned you didn't expect to play as much as you've played. But just first of all, how how are you feeling? Because that's you you're playing a ton of snaps right now. I mean, I feel good. Um, uh, taking care of my body uh, is big. Uh, they take care of me during the week, which is also big. But man, I I, I, I feel great. Um, I'm I don't have no complaints. I'm not complaining about playing a whole bunch of snaps. Um, <laughs> uh, did I expect that? No, but um, you know, it is what it is. I, I'm just gonna do what they need me to do. Uh, but as far as how I feel, I feel great, bro. And I'm I'm really being honest with you. So, Bruce, every year uh, I do a lot in, in the football world when it comes to media. Towards the end of the year, my wife is like, all right, man, what's going on? All right, are you going to be home or are you not going to be home? Uh, how was that conversation with the family being like, okay, I've been, I've been here every day. I've been taking the kids to school. Now daddy's going to go out and ball out, man. What, what was that conversation like? Uh, I mean, my wife knew I wanted to play still. Uh, you know, I was going, driving an hour. To, to Atlanta to work out an hour back home every day. So she knew that, you know, I still had a strong desire to play football. So uh, she was, you know, pretty, pretty supportive, uh, you know, when it was time for me to go, um, you know, so, but they, they was out here two weeks later. So, you know, it wasn't long before they came with me, you know, so uh, she was very supportive, man. And, you know, just, Played a role, and uh, I got out here, got situated, and they they came they came not too long after. Well, we all remember when you got drafted, and that was a long time ago. You were just a pop back then. Now, eleven years, you're you're the you're the veteran, mature man. You know, the one thing I, I want to ask you is maybe how much the game has changed in those eleven years, and more specifically, you know, you got the Rams and 49ers that have pretty. I don't know if intricate's the right word, running games. But when you came out, look, it was more traditional still powers and isos. Now you got all these fly sweeps going on. How, how much has it changed since you came into this league to where you are now? Uh, I just think, the, um, you know, the, the athlete has changed. Um, guys are faster, you know, bigger, stronger. Uh, you know, you got... O-linemen that allow you uh, to run the, the fly sweeps and the jet sweeps and all the, the, the perimeter runs because they're so athletic. You get out on the edges and block the corners and the safeties and stuff. So, um, you know, back in the day, uh, um, guys, I don't think guys, Breno Giacomini wasn't, you know, <laughs> 
he wasn't really getting out. And Russell Okun, they wasn't really getting out, you know, on the edges like that. They would do it, but not as much as these guys do it today. Um, so I would think just, just the brand of athlete has changed. Um, and I think it's only going to get better. You know, you got guys like Tyreek, dude's 6'4", and he runs a 4'2". Like, that's not normal. So it's just, <laughs> I just it was just say the caliber of athlete has, has really just changed from 11 years ago until now. Bruce, it's um, you're a rare breed because you were with this team in obviously 2012, and then you leave. You came back for a little bit in 2020. Unfortunately, you tore your your knee and had to have surgery. But what has it been like for you coming in as a rookie with this organization and then coming back and being like, okay, I'm one of the guys, I'm one of the leaders out here, and I, I got to show these youngsters how to do it. How have you kind of fallen into that that leadership role? Um, it's really kind of cool if you think about it. Uh, like you said, you know, I'm very fortunate um, to be able to see both ends of the spectrum, you know, being coming in as a younger guy, not having to lead and talk as much and uh, not even have to play as much. Um, to now being, you know, the guy dudes listen to, uh, you know, the leader of my room, you know, my position coach is 36 and I'm 35. So, um <laughs> You know it's crazy. So uh, blessing. It's just it's a blessing, man. So it's it's just really cool to be able to sustain and be able to hold on this long and and still be able to move pretty good. And, you know, uh, for me being 35. So man, like I said, it's a blessing, man. And you know, a lot of guys will never be able to experience. You know, being able to uh, get drafted by a team and going on to other places, five other teams, then coming back. Um, you know, to the team that drafted you and, you know, getting another opportunity. So, man, it's just a, it's a story. It's a story. It's like a storybook ending. And, uh, you know, I'm just very grateful for the opportunity and I'm just going to continue to just try to take advantage of it as long as I can. You mentioned when uh, the Seahawks were talking about bringing you over here and just to be yourself and and probably be to be a leader uh, of this group. And uh, you can relate when you were first here. Uh, let's talk about Daryl Taylor and, and, and Mafe. How, how do you how what do you tell them to become an everyday down player? Because that's the probably the next step for them. It's just the mentality, um, you know, when I came in, I wasn't an every down player either uh, my first year, but you know I had developed had to develop into that um you know d q and those guys k j you know I had great guys around me, you know I had ballers, dogs around me that you know that that showed me the way you know I was a d n and I had to transition to a stand up outside back, you know, but I had k j I had Bobby. You know, I had I had a lot of guys to, you know, help me along the way. And I think for those guys that, you know, our defense is so young, you know, you know who are they going to go to? Jordan Brooks uh, or Cody Barton, who was his first year starting, or even Chenna, you know. Chenna never really was a full-time starter in, uh, in L.A. You know, he was kind of always behind Bosa and Melvin Ingram. So, you know, he even, this is kind of even a new role for him. So, uh, I just think I try to tell those guys it's just it's gonna take reps, man. But at the end of the day, being an every down player is an attitude. You know, I tell the defense this: stopping the run is an attitude. You know, you could play all the gaps and all the different type of schemes as you want to, but if you don't got 11 guys willing to whoop whoop the guy across from them and get off the block and make the tackle, then it don't matter what you run. So it's just a mentality, man, that I'm trying to instilling them and uh you know Mafe has got really better um as far as being physical with the tight end and uh you know engaging and shedding his block uh he's done really 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 well from when I got here to now and uh DT is uh you know he DT <laughs> I mean he's a uh a speedy guy uh you know not a lot of weight behind him but you know it's a leverage game so you know I just try to tell him man uh it don't matter how big you are. You just, it's a mentality, you know. You're not going to let the next man across from you manhandle it, you know. And I don't know if it's because I got kids at home and I don't want them to see me 
on TV and manhandle or whatever, but but I just won't let another man put his hands or keep his hands on me or, or do me any kind of way. So, like I said, man, it's just a mentality, man, and it's just, you know, I'm going to try to instill it to them uh, every as much as I can while, while, I, while I'm around them. Bruce, we appreciate you, and I feel you. I dare somebody to try to put their hands on me at Safeway in front of my kids, Bruce. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. <laughs> I got you, bro. Hey, man, we appreciate your time, and it's a Thursday. It's, what, 740. Um, I know you have family and then the wife there, man. We appreciate your time, and good luck this weekend, bro. Bruce. Hey, man, anytime. Appreciate y'all, man. All right, that was Bruce Irvin. Coming up next, we'll go around the NFL. We'll talk about some topics that are going down. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Last Thursday here on 7 Everything 100% off. 100% off. go and shop right now. You just go and tell them you're getting it from Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Yes. Then they'll tell you to play full price. So yeah. don't Put do it that. on my account. I got you covered. Yeah, you see the way he's dressed? See how fancy he is today? I, I mean, he's fancy just, today. They're not... You know, I'm out here regular. I'm out here looking like a Northwesterner. Got my got my vest on. Hey, it's heated. Look at this. Heated. Wow. He, heated. What you know about that? <laughs> I don't. Nothing. <laughs> uh, where's my coat? That's all I got. All right. Well, it's time to go around the NFL. And the first thing I want to ask you about, Paul Moyer, the Los Angeles Rams are having a tough year. They went to the Super Bowl last year. Um, Matthew Stafford was the savior. Odell Beckham was balling before he got hurt. Cooper Cup was doing his thing. The run game was on point, and this year they are struggling. And you know who they call to the rescue? Uh, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Baker AKA Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. What are your thoughts on the Los Angeles Rams as a whole? And what's Baker Mayfield's role in this thing? Because they're going to roll with Matthew Stafford next year. Is he? Is there enough time for him to do enough to make a team be like? all right, I'm going to roll the dice on this guy and see if he's serviceable. Well, I think Stafford will be the quarterback next year if his wife lets him. You know, like you make that kind of money and you start having injuries, particularly to the head, you know, it changes. Our day, you would have had to drag me out, right? right? I wouldn't have been able to have a coherent thought. Them, look, they're in a different world. So we'll see. Um, tonight, no. Baker Mayfield's 10 for 20. They scored three points. They're losing 16 to 3 to the Raiders. I, the guy was here for, you know, a cup of coffee. That's tough. But I think, you know, with five games left, you know, maybe they have enough to see if he's somebody from a backup standpoint. Right. They need somebody. They don't have a really a backup right now. I, look, Baker... To me, his time has already passed. I've seen enough. It, it, he's had one year where it's, done. it was okay. Hold on. Gino. I, I, Gino. No. Gino. No, no. No. Here's why. Here's the difference on Gino and Baker. Baker's been playing. Baker has not done well anywhere he's gone so far. Gino had a rookie year, part of a second year, 23 years old. All right, you're a backup now. I'm going to go back up Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers. I'm going to go back up Russell Wilson. He just didn't get the opportunity. Now he's got the opportunity. Now, look, eight years from now, maybe Baker Mayfield becomes a quarterback. Mm -hmm. But I just think, look, he's not very tall. You know, I don't even know if he's six foot. He might be. I think unless you have some unbelievable attributes in today's game, it's hard to be a short quarterback. It worked a while. I mean, Drew Brees, there's been a few. It worked for Russell. Russell. It worked for Russell with a great defense, a great running game, and play action and bootlegs. You're seeing what they're doing with him in shotgun or gun formation, spread formation, and saying stay in the pocket and throw. It's hard. It's just hard. It doesn't mean it can't be done. Right. I've seen enough from Baker Mayfield. Look, he's just, it didn't transition from college to the NFL. Your thoughts? My thoughts? Sit for a while. Like sit for a few years. years. Eight. Eight. <laughs> hey, how long did uh, Gino sit? Seven? Probably close to eight. Seven, eight? Yeah. All right. Five, six. Sit five or six, hold the clipboard, learn the game, and maybe you get a second win. That's the thing with the quarterback, right? It's the greatest it, job in the world. The quarterback too, position is the only position to where you can sit for a little bit and get better. Any other position? Safety, DB, receiver, running back. Lineman, D-line, linebacker. You ain't going to sit and get better. You're going to sit and get old. 
Yeah, you're not going to sit because you got to play. You're going to play special teams. You're going to do something. They're going to find somebody cheaper. You know, if you're not a starter as a position player uh, outside a quarterback, you're not going to be a career backup. I mean, Bloor is a good example. He's been a backup, but he's a mm. great special teamer. Right. If he wasn't a great special teamer, they are not hanging on to a backup linebacker, run, fullback. Quarterback's the only position that you can play 15 years, make $50 million, and literally never play. Literally. It's the best job in the world. I, man, you, you're healthy. I got no shots to the head. My body's good. I've made some money. I'm having some fun. I'm hanging with my guys. I'm learning <laughs> some stuff. I go right to the the, the uh, broadcast booth. I make more money. Quarterbacks, man, if you could get one of those jobs, do it. So what you're saying, I should have taken that scholarship offer to uh, West L.A. Tech, Technology of Agricultural uh you know, if you can't say it, that probably shouldn't have done it. So, <laughs> all right, I got one what for you. Got? you. What you um, got? Look, big game coming up this week. 49ers, you know, they lost Jimmy G, which is crazy, though. Their backup quarterback, who's now their starter, a rookie, who was Mr. Irrelevant, which is the last pick in the draft. What number is the last pick, by the way? Well, it changes because they got – yeah, but because of uh, if you lose free agents, they add some supplemental picks in there. So it minimum two fifty six. Well, I mean, whatever thirty two times seven, you know, <laughs> throw that number and and then a few more. Addy, do the math. Yeah, quick, give me that calculator. But can Tom Brady rally his team, go to Santa Clara, and get a win against a backup quarterback right now in that great vaunted defense of the Forty ers That's the thing, the defense. We've seen throughout football history, you can win with a mediocre offense and a stellar defense. Yep. Have we seen vice versa? I don't think we've seen that. I don't think we've seen that. And Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, is the guy who is um, under the microscope because we got to see what he can do. There's weapons around him. you got a run game. you got a couple receivers. you got a tight end. you got a defense that's going to back you up. Can they go out there and get it done? They better get it done because we need that help. That's why it's so important that these Hawks win this game this weekend oh, because you never know what's going to happen with Tampa and the 49ers. We saw what Tampa did to us. They said, look, you think we're going to throw the ball 60 times? No, sir. We're going to run the ball 35 times and make you defend the run. You look at this San Francisco defense and you're saying, okay, what's the weakness in that defense, Moyer? Uh -uh. I don't see one. I don't no. see a weakness in that defense. So it's going to be tough, but if there's anyone who could rally the troops – and make this thing happen, it's number 12. Yeah, I mean, you can't count out Tom Brady. Um, I'm excited for that game, uh, mainly because, well, it doesn't even matter if the Fortnighters win or lose. I hope they lose. But I want to make next Thursday night here at Lumen Field against the 49ers. Man, that will be an electric crowd. When we win this week and we're game back of the 49ers, maybe we're tied with them. Um, but, boy, that 49er defense is special. They, you know, I think Nick Bosa might be the best at his position. They have their, their strong safety, who I can't even pronounce his name. Uh, he came out of nowhere out of USC. USC he might yeah. be the best safety, playmaking safety in the league right now. They, Are you going to crown him? Uh, I said might be. I didn't, I'm not going to crown him, but he's, right, he's special. Right, just here, checking. Here, here's what we know. When we put on film. We always watch him. Definitely. Because he is so excited. He's always around the ball. He's a baller. He'll knock your head off. Um, look, Brock Purdy, and no, I'm not going to say he's pretty good. Um, but <laughs> oh, he's, you should have did, did it. I you should have did it. I did it. I did it. I'll put the fine in later. Um, look, he's six foot one, 220 pounds. I think he started four years at Iowa State. He is a gamer, he can play. He may not have the strongest arm. He may not be the tallest guy in the world. He can play. He's not afraid. He can make all the throws. I was watching a couple of his highlights where he was getting hit, a lot like Geno Smith at times, and he threw a contested tight window pass right there. So while Jimmy G, they, they definitely have a, a, a better chance if he was there, until we get a little more tape and find some of the weaknesses of Purdy, I, man, I don't see them missing much of a beat. I really don't. I mean, it's going to take a game plan two, three weeks down the road where they say, okay, this he can't do this very well. Right. But Shanahan is pretty good, too, at what he does as a head coach, offensive coordinator, and he will put situations for him to succeed. I'm really impressed with this Brock Purdy. 
That was All a right. good draft pick. Purdy. You know who tried to uh, to make me throw Purdy under the bus? Who? My co-host on the Bump and Stacy show, Stacy no, Ross. And she's going to join us next and give us a Panther preview. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Right now, we are joined by my partner in crime. That's right. Monday through Friday, 10 to 2. She's leading the show, but now she got to ride shotgun. I'm leading this thing now. <laughs> now I got to relax. I'm leading this thing now. Stacy Ross, clap it up for my girl, Stacy Ross. Oh, thanks. This is fun. Smartest woman in show business. I tell you that. She works hard. She knows her stuff. And Stacy, what are you expecting this week, man? I mean, this is a big game. I thought you were reaching down for like a prize. Like you were going to surprise me with something. I was did, like, oh my God, did you, you enter, guys. Into the raffle? Did you enter the raffle? No, but that's, those are really good prizes. They are. Yeah. Though there is a disclaimer that if you work for the company, that you are not allowed to actually participate and I'm win. I'm working on breaking if those rules. If you do win, you have to give it to Paul Moy. Yeah, so we're those are, it's in the books. Paul Moyer. Yeah. Moyer. So we've talked a lot about the Panthers mm -hmm. this week, um, the run game, the defense. What specifically are you looking forward to this Sunday? Okay, so you guys are maybe going to think I'm crazy given the weaknesses we've seen from the Seahawks defense against the run and given what Donta Foreman has been able to do when he's healthy and feeling good and on his A game. I am weirdly curious about Darnold to DJ Moore. Like okay. DJ Moore is having career lows in a lot of different categories right now. He's around, I don't know, 500-ish yards this season. But he's, or maybe I'm thinking of Freeman um, or Foreman, but Moore has had a thousand plus yards in each of the last three years. He's their best receiving weapon. He's insanely talented. Last week, or the week before last, because they were on a bye, had a great connection against the Broncos, a team that they beat. That's a good defense, 23-10 against the Broncos. So I, what I don't want to see is what happened uh, a little bit against the Rams, which is some weapons you weren't expecting to be a factor suddenly right. were. Van Jefferson. Right. Oh wait, Van Jefferson could be good, right? And and that connection between Wofford. So I think Darnold and Moore are a better connection potentially than those two. So I, I don't know why I'm watching that more than Foreman. Maybe I shouldn't be, but I am. <laughs> well, I'm not going to doubt you because when we were playing, about to play Tampa Bay, I was, you were with Bob Stelton. You yes. filled in. The, and she asked me about the running backs from Tampa Bay. And I'm like, running backs? I go, and she threw out, was it White? I think uh, who was the, uh, it was the Jones. The, yeah. It was a Jones. Jones. I, I've forgotten already. It's like a and, rookie. And right? I kid you not. I'm like, <laughs> yes. And I'm like, I go, what? And I kind of transitioned to it like, yeah, Tom Brady. Holy crap. She was right. I mean, they destroyed us on the ground. I mean, so I'm going to give you because I didn't even know really that much about DJ Moore. Is it we first of all, congratulations to you two. I, I serious. So fun. No, and, and not just that. I mean, I, I can say this because I don't work for the station. Their ratings are through the roof. It's been unbelievable. <laughs> and, you know, these two, I mean, I don't really turn the radio on until 10 o'clock and listen to you guys. <laughs> um, but is it weird to be in this uh, other role with him hosting right now? No, because uh, Bumps, I listen to pre and post, so I hear you as a lead, but I've never been with you while you're a lead. So I guess it's it's really almost like in my mind, I'm like with you guys on pre and post right now, but it's Hawks Live. <laughs> it's, well, it's, you know, welcome back to Hawks Live. It's Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. We got uh, Stacy Ross here joining us. We got my sister over there in the corner. How you doing, it's my sister? sister. That's All right. my sister. It's our sister. But uh, what, what did you ask? I'm sorry, Mom. I was going to ask, do you, you're, you're more concerned about DJ Moore. I don't know why. Even though our, because the one thing about last week we were talking about earlier we, the running back didn't really hurt us last week. I thought mm -hmm. we took care of that. It was more the wide receivers mm -hmm. and the jet sweeps and the fly sweeps yep. along the way. But do you see it? Do they have what it takes? We had Bruce Irvin on earlier about, look, man, it's attitude. Do they have the attitude to be a great defensive run-stopping team? For Seattle? Yes. You would think so. Think of how many times that we've interviewed these defensive players or that you guys have, right? And you talk to these guys and you're like, man, this guy's mindset is right. Like right. this guy, we've talked to Shelby Harris, who talked about like, hey, if you don't want to do your job, someone else is going to come in to do it. Like that's a mm. great old school mindset for how to play defense. We talked with Al Woods today, who's so smart. Yeah. He walked us through exactly what he sees at the line of scrimmage um, during, uh, during, by the way, my sister knows nothing about football. And earlier she was joking about what I should say. And she goes, you should go up and be like, yeah, we really need some, some scrimmage yards <laughs> like, for sure. Um, but he was walking us through like, okay, here's what I see at the line, line of scrimmage. Smart players. It's, I am still trying to figure out, and I have talked with so many former players, you guys and, and Wyman and everyone about this, like, 
Why do we sometimes see a great version of the defense and see what they can be? And then other times it just falls apart, but it's the same personnel. You haven't missed big chunks of your defense, mm -hmm. right? Like it's the same guys, different teams. So it's you've frustrating. Seen some, yeah, you've seen different types of offenses and you guys know more than I do about like what Tampa and the Raiders did especially well with the run versus some other teams. But it's it's frustrating because it is there, I guess, is the very long winded answer. I do think it's there. It's just maybe not disciplined or consistent now Stace we are seven and five we're entering the stretch the the toughest part of the schedule apparently this is the fourth easiest part of our fourth easiest uh, remaining remaining schedule, remaining schedule which I just I just don't agree with yeah um, when I look at these teams man I look at the Panthers and see what they they pose to us I look at the Chiefs I look at the Jets and it makes me a bit nervous but I look at Gino and I'm like all right, he makes it all better. Yeah. When you look at Gino, do you get the same feeling I get to where I'm like, all right, we're going to have a chance because number seven is throwing that. A thousand percent. Thing. Do you guys feel both feel that way? I That's do. how I feel. I didn't expect to feel that way. I was pleasantly surprised in week one. In week two, we all look by week two. It's not canon. It didn't happen. <laughs> in week three, you're thinking like, wow, okay, this guy can can throw this around. But, God, the Lions defense is so bad. And every week, just like excuse after excuse slipped away until finally this past week, you think, well, God, can he come from behind in a, in a fourth quarter comeback victory? And that was the final excuse to slip away. And you start thinking, I don't have anything else. I don't right. have anything else to pin on to doubt. Like, I have no choice but to think he can get it done. So that's why I'm entering this week. Yeah, I mean, look, every statistic just points that this isn't a fluke. So let me ask you this. Look at all the quarterbacks the Seahawks have ever had. I can go back to Jim Zorn, Dave Craig, yeah. um, John Kitna. And what I'm looking for a biggest surprise, Russell Wilson when he came in, Geno Smith. What would be the biggest surprise to the upside in or in Seahawk history at quarterback? So between all these guys? Between all those. Okay. Right now, given what they accomplished, and granted this was with the defense and with all the pieces, having reached a Super Bowl with Wilson as a third-round pick would be Wilson. Gino, if you can keep him here next year and advance even further than however far you end up this year, how do you not have him in there? What Gino's doing is really cool, not just for Seattle, but for the rest of the league. Because after this year, no matter what the Seahawks accomplish, they, they may not make the playoffs, knock on wood, we all hope they do. Gino has forever changed contract negotiations and conversations had by backup quarterbacks around the league that are able to sit for a long time and say, I'm not great to your eyes because I haven't had the chance, but I promise you I can be. Like, he will be the example people point to, like they point with Kurt Warner for things. Right. or Right? There's always these random examples of guys that did something in a non-traditional way, and people always point to them. And it, the year could end now, and he would be that example for a lot of guys. You know, it's why, to me, Pete Carroll has to be the coach of the year. Yeah. I mean, think about what he's done. I mean, he took somebody that no one believed in mm -hmm. and, you know, made him, and I don't want to say he made him, to me, Geno's made himself. Yeah. But to get to the playoffs with a quarterback that no one thought, I mean, come on, man. And he's never even got a, has he even got a vote before for uh, coach of the year? I want to say MVP. Uh, Probably maybe, not. Maybe not if they used to, if they, if they always did them the same where you get one vote, I would guess no. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pete, Pete says he doesn't want the vote. It doesn't matter. When you're 71 <laughs> and you've won at the college level, if you've won a Super Bowl, you don't need the media to validate who you are. And I love that about Pete Carroll. But I want him to have that validation. Yeah, we, we, I think we, we all do. We want him to have We that. all want Pete to have that, right? Yeah. We all yeah. do. <laughs> all right, well, you know what? This is Stacy Ross, the lead host of uh, Bumpin' Stacy. She leads me to the water. I drink it Monday through right. Friday, 10, 10 to, to 2. 2. Thank you, Stacy, for joining <laughs> Thanks, us. Thanks, guys. This is Thanks, fun. Stacey. Thank you. All right, coming up next, we'll go We're inside the film room. We'll talk about Tyler Lockett's 36-yard touchdown, Tariq Woolen's interception, and DK Metcalf's game-winning touchdown. That's next right here on Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus with Paul Moyer. It's presented by the Bellevue Collection. We're here every Thursday. I'm going to miss you, man. 7 to 10. I'm, I'm still going to see you. Oh, yeah. I'm still going to see you on Thursdays. Okay. You know? We're at Bellevue Square Center Court. Got a great crowd in front of us. I got my birthday friend, me and this young lady in the front. We both share the same birthday. My birthday is next Tuesday, so if you guys want to go get me something, yeah, it's all good. I'll be here for the next uh, hour, maybe. All right, you guys come holler at me. Moyer? 40? 40? Uh, uh, 37, baby. 37, huh? You're good. 37. 30, I feel you, 40, though. You could literally be my son. Yeah. You could. That hurts me. Uh, but we're friends, though. No, we are. All right.
And by the way, just an update, because um, I was saying that Baker Mayfield is done and he could never play again. And they were down 16-3. to And, of course, he brought them back and the Rams ended up beating the Vegas uh, Raiders 17-16. to Which, by the way, we want because that just put us probably in the number two spot in the draft because Denver plays Kansas City this week and then I think the Rams and Denver play the following week so I was pulling for Baker on that <laughs> he may never win another game but that was a good one to win for all of you who thought that was complicated me too I just say okay let's Hawks win they do that to me all and the then time. you guys you guys fill me in on Monday after Monday Night Football yeah. and let me know the situation what he's Morris is a number guy so that's that's what he does all right, all right so we're gonna go inside the film room the first play we're breaking down Tyler Lockett scores a 36 yard touchdown this is in response to the Rams getting the football and driving down the field and doing their thing slots to both sides with DJ Dallas in the backfield here comes the blitz Leonard Floyd Geno's got time now he's going to throw he's got a man crossing the field it's Lockett down to the 15 cuts back inside 10 5 touchdowns Seahawks Tyler Lockett on the crossing route the line gave Gino just enough time. He steps up inside of Leonard Floyd and throws a beauty on a crossing route from right to left. And Tyler Lockett puts the Seahawks on the board. It's seven to six. Moye, I love this concept. It's a simple concept. So what happens is you got a two by two look. You got a tight end and a receiver to the right side of Gino. You have two receivers to the left side of Gino. And what happens is you got the slot to the left side of Gino. He's just running a deep cross. That safety rotates down. That's a robber look. Correct me if I'm wrong, Moyer. That's a robber look. Anything cross in his face, he's just going to run with it. So what happens is he runs with that deep cross, and you have one-on-one -on, -one on the outside. You got DK at the bottom of the screen. What he does, he inside releases against Jalen Ramsey, and then he runs a vertical. He's going to clear it out. When he inside releases, he gets the attention of that safety. He inside releases. Jalen Ramsey's like, I got to run with him. That safety is looking at DK and saying, I got to run with number 14. But you know what's happening on that backside. All right, we got that two-by-two -two formation up at the top. You got that tight end who stays in for a block. He blocks for a bit, then he releases to a shallow cross. That's five yards across the field. So he's going right to left. And then you have Tyler Lockett on the intermediate cross. He's going to end up around 12 to 15 yards with DK clearing that corner and keeping the, the, the eyes of that safety. Tyler Lockett finds himself in a wide open space. What does Tyler Lockett usually do when he catches the football? He goes down. Not this time. Not this time. He catches the football. He says, you know what? I'm going to get some money. I'm getting to that end zone. That's exactly what he does. A great response by this offense. Yeah, th this route, the Rams have run against us so many times. It's just a, a deep crossing route, as he mentioned, by Tyler Lockett coming from the other side of the football. Uh, look, I, not to pick on a, a linebacker, but... They ran a deep cross on their linebacker, a guy number 45 used to play with the Seahawks, over the top of him for a touchdown. And, you know, all the things you described, there's so many good things here. First of all, they blitz five guys. DJ Dallas comes over to the other side of the ball and picks up their linebacker and makes a really good block on that because he is free. Geno Smith doesn't even flinch. He, I mean, th this guy is barreling down. It looks like no one's going to pick him up. Gino just kind of sidesteps him, doesn't panic, steps up in the pocket. DK Metcalf, by the way, beats Ramsey bad. He, that would have been a touchdown. Uh, Tyler Lockett would have been a touchdown. There was a crossing route that probably would have been a 20-yard play. And there, who was the other guy that ran the other flag route to the other side? He was open. Bottom line, Gino could have hit four guys. Three of them would have been touchdowns. One of them would have been a 20-yard play. There's just so many good. The great protection by the offensive line. Um, all the things you said there, but uh, yeah, just that was a big answer and st things that I think Gino's becoming more and more not aware. He's becoming better and better at is answering after either a turnover or the other team scores. Gino over the last three games has immediately responded and scored right back at him. Man, the thing that you pointed out that I like the most is Gino's composure in that pocket. You got Leonard Floyd he is by himself. Right? DJ Dallas gets just enough of him. But could you imagine standing in that pocket and no. seeing Leonard Floyd just 
flying downhill. What what does Gino do? Two hands on the football, slide a little bit to the left, steps up in the pocket, no big boom, deal. makes a throw. That's a veteran move no right big there. Deal. No I mean, big deal. I've seen other quarterbacks in the Seahawks uniform panic on that. He doesn't panic. No. Nope. It's really, again, this is not a mirage, people. He's that good. He's that guy. All right, next play, Tariq Woolen gets his sixth interception of the year. First and 10 at the Seattle 35. Wolford goes under center. Williams in the backfield. Play fake. Wolford's going to roll right side. Has some time. Throws back near side. Reaching up. Making the interception is Woolen at the 15-yard line. Ball underthrown just a bit for Kyron Williams. And you're not going to get that past Tariq Woolen. All six foot four, 210 pounds of him with that interception. Woolen has now broken the club record for interceptions by a rookie with six, and we've still got games to play. The Seahawks take it away. They have the ball first and ten. I worked really hard my last year starting to get six interceptions, so it kind of makes Oh, me that was your last year on the way out? You got six? Well, my last year starting. Oh, okay. Um, All right. I still had another year or so, but um, he makes this very easy. You don't see Sean McVay design too many poorly designed plays this is one of them um they saw something on film they, they thought they could get woolen on yep. this they motioned across away from that the wide receivers on woolen side he motioned away to the defense's left they blocked their wide receiver like it was a run and they ended up bringing the running back on a swing route to woolen side and run a, sw uh, a swing route down the sideline for whatever reason, they thought Woolen wasn't going to be there. And if you saw the game, McVeigh told his quarterback, that's my fault. Yeah. Like, you know, basically, this was a design play. You're going to throw it regardless. It was just a bad play on their part. Woolen, the good part is he was there. He just has a feel for the passing game. I mean, he, he's not perfect. He makes mistake. He makes rookie mistakes still, but he's, he's getting better. But, boy, I tell you what, when that ball's in the air, it's his. And at six foot four and runs a four two with long arms, former wide receiver, he's a pretty good wide receiver playing DB. Yeah, I look at two seven, and I heard you on the uh, uh, Wyman and Bob show today, and they asked you if Woolen was a Pro Bowler. You go, not quite. Like his numbers might say he's a Pro Bowler, but there are some things he needs to learn about the position that'll make him a true pro, pro Bowler. And that's why they ran this play. And McVay told Wolford he's going to bite. Just sell it and throw back to the running back, and you will be okay because at times T. Woolen is undisciplined. Mm -hmm. Right here, he was undisciplined, but just enough of discipline to be able to recover and, and make a play right there. And um, no, I, I think that this is what makes him special because when he's beat, when he makes those mistakes, he's so long and he's so fast to where he'll make up for those mistakes. And that's what happened right here. You got Walford trying to roll to the defense's left and with a throwback and T. Woo bites just a little bit but has enough speed and awareness to get back and attack the football when it's in the air. Him being a receiver is helping him out at this DB stuff. You know, the, I, we're talking about Woolen on this, but I've been talking that our linebackers in secondary really are starting to understand pass concepts. Right. Cody Barton and Jordan Brooks on this play. Cody, once he reads it, he takes off 20, 30 yards downfield to pick up the deep crosser, and he picks him up. And so I'm not so sure they didn't think they were going to get man-to-man -man and maybe Woolen was going to run with it and that they would get a one-on-one -on -one with a linebacker and maybe he could outrun him. Um, whatever it was, that was a huge play in the game. All right, let's get to the game-winning touchdown. DK Metcalf. Three receivers right side. DK Metcalf to the left with Jalen Ramsey on him. Gino takes the snap. Four-man rush. Going to half roll. Throws back inside. Reaching up. Making a catch. Touchdown. Seahawks. Are you kidding me? It is DK Metcalf. Ramsey was all over him. DK puts those big mitts up and says, that ball is mine. And the Seahawks take the lead. 26-23. What a dart thrown by Geno Smith. Paul Moyer. Man, I love this right here. First, let's set it up. 
You got three receivers to the right of Geno. You got Kobe Parkinson, who was extended from that offensive line in a two-point stance, looking like he's about to be there for pass pro. You got two receivers outside of Kobe Parkinson. That's Marquise Goodwin. And then you have number 16, Tyler Lockett. To the right side of DJ Dallas, excuse me, of Geno, you have DJ Dallas. To the bottom, the left side of Geno Smith, you have DK in a tight split, right? Backside of this formation, backside of trips in the goal line, I'm going to go out there and say that the Rams were like, look, backside of trips in the in the red zone, you're going to have whoever it is, man. So you got Jalen Ramsey manned up on DK Metcalf. Typically, you want to protect the inside and man. He's protecting the outside. Why? He's worried about the corner route. Exactly. Route. Yep. You're so tight that he has to go outside. So Jalen Ramsey is doing what you're supposed to do. He's protecting the outside in this situation because of DK split. What does DK do? He gets inside. He runs a slam. But let's talk about what's happening to the trips receiver side, which makes this thing happen, all right? You got Marquise Goodwin, who's the number two receiver. So you have Kobe Parkinson. You got Marquise Goodwin as the number two. Lockett as the number three. The number two runs a corner. What does that safety have to do with that corner? He's got to respect it. He's got to drift to it a little bit. Then you have Tyler Lockett on the outside of Goodwin. He's running the bubble. What does that flat defender have to do? He's got to expand with the bubble. So you got the safety expanding over the corner. You have the flat defender, the outside linebacker, or nickel expanding with the bubble. And then you got Gino rolling to that side. So everything's flowing that way. So you create just enough space for DK to work on the backside. What I love about DK is he gets vertical on his release. It's easy to get an inside release and get pushed inside and have everything flow. You got to get inside and get vertical to allow that rollout to work for you, allow space. DK hits that left foot, boom, snaps it in. DK rolls outside, throws a dart, and DK makes a play against Jalen Ramsey. Man, if I am DK, I'm sliding in the DMs, and I'm saying, I got you, bro. I got you. Yeah, there's so many good things that you just talked about there. I'm going to talk about an unsung hero on this play, and it's Kobe Parkinson. Kobe is manned up on Floyd, who has been a bit of a pain in our side yeah. with, with uh, uh, sacks and stuff. He pancakes him on the outside. Pancakes mm. him. It's unbelievable block, which creates unbelievable space for Gino. I don't know if it was design rollout or he just saw the opening because all the defensive linemen went to his left. So he had this huge open sea that was wide open. This is not an easy throw because he's rolling and to, to his right, and there are three guys. You got Ramsey who's following behind DK. You got the safety who's waiting for a DK to come to him. And then there's a linebacker who's dropped off about 10 yards in between all that. So there's about a one foot, maybe a two foot window for Gino to get this in. Man, this is a thing of beauty, people. This is Pro Bowl stuff. And this is why it's going to cost, sorry, Seahawks, a lot of money to sign them. <laughs> this is why. And you should want to pay this, man. You don't have to pay the 50 the $45 million, but you're going to have to pay that good 28 to 30 all right, and respect it because Addie got the jersey on, so she respects it. For sure. All right, hey, make sure you get out to Bellevue Collection Dining District. There's so many great restaurants to choose from. Today we had our pregame show meal at Tavern Hall. You know what I had? Good old burger. Good old burger. Just, just, you know, just a, just a bacon cheeseburger. And it was awesome, all right? Make sure you guys go check that thing out. Um, good people, good ambiance. I like the light. I'm all about lighting. The lighting was perfect. I like the lighting. That's just me. That's just me. All right, coming up next. Oh, man, we're going to talk that talk. We're going to figure out, uh, you know, Paul's going to tell me that he's right about something. I'm going to tell him that I'm right about something. And because I have respect for my elders. I'm going to make them think that he's right. But we'll leave here thinking something else. That's next right here on Hawks Live. What are you guys going to do without us on Thursdays, huh? What are you guys going to do? Watch Thursday night football like regular people? Or just show up here? We might not be here, but uh, you can still show up, though, if you want to. The Bellevue Collection has got nice things for you to do. You got the Rolex store there. You got Coach over there. What else we got, Moye? I don't know. You two have these heated jackets that light up. And I'm like, okay, wait, you you got one. You got one. I don't know. That may be a Christmas present for me. Yeah. About $100. Yeah. That's $100 well, my wife ever spent on me. No, I was talking about when you my gift that you're going to get me. Oh, oh, you want one. Yeah. Don't Hers go. looks more expensive, so I'm going to go with mine. 119 mine's $100. We're I going with mine. I don't want you to go over 100 so I'll pay the extra. <laughs> you pay the, you yes. pay the difference? Yes. 
Perfect. All right, so final segment. Yeah. Is there anything you want to get off your chest? Anything you want to tell me? No, I mean, look, there's a couple of firsts today that was, you know, we had Stacy on, and that, that was a big deal because mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Stacy and Bump, and I get to see you all the time. Um, this has just been fun. I mean, I, we've been doing this uh, a, long, a long time. I've been, I don't know how many years, and Bump and I have been doing this for three or four years together. Four years now. Uh, we've been to a lot of different places. Uh, they've all been great, so I don't want to dog any in case we go back there. <laughs> but this was by far our most favorite special time i mean this has been great you guys have been great in the audience and showing up and uh it's just a really good atmosphere so i hope we have a chance to do this again next year here yeah my guy moyer he's all about presentation if you look behind us i love it his name is right there he was mad his name wasn't first uh but uh you know we might be able to work something out I not first, you're last, but um, <laughs> I'm good. Look, if you're f- first in front of me I, all day, I'm good. Hey, my I'm guy. Good. Look at my guy. Yeah, it's Christmas. He's had enough success in his life. He's going to let, let his boy get some. No, it's I, Christmas. I, I'm in the Christmas spirit. <laughs> I want to give him some love. I man. appreciate that, man. And a good-looking family. You got you got the most beautiful daughter. Are these all your daughters? My nieces. nieces. Okay, you're beautiful family. Uh, just everybody's been really so nice. Yeah, there you go, some fist pumps. If this was on TV right now, for those listening, you would really get what we're saying. Um, but it's radio, so we probably should explain more. All right, so you need to describe. So what we're describing is we've had a family that we've seen at least five weeks. We have the Rogers in the back that we see, we've seen maybe 10 out of 12 weeks. Yeah, we put up with them because Curtis went to Arizona, University of Arizona. But. We have a Marine sitting in the front row who has protected this country for 20-plus years. We got the young homies who always look like they're trying to go to sleep, but they're awake, okay? They showed up when they're sick. We have a couple in the corner who wins every time they're here, um, taking them to Vegas. And then we, got, we sprinkle everybody else in. And you know what this is? It's America, baby. <laughs> it's America. We got everybody here. And this is our last week, and they're going against the Panthers. And Moyer, I'm looking at this team, and I'm saying, this is a must-win game. The Rams game was a must-win game. This is another must-win game for me. Do you feel the same, or do you think that if they were to drop this one, there's a couple more wins for them? Well, it wouldn't feel good. I mean, now you got to play 49ers on a short week. Uh, no, I mean, I prefer... We, we need to win if we want to achieve our goals, and that's win the NFC West. Can we still get to the playoffs if we, we don't win this one? Sure, but you're going to have to go and knock off Kansas City and Kansas City and the Jets when they get here. I think the Rams, the last game of the year, is, is one that I think we're going to take care of business on them. We'll have Bobby Wagner here. We'll get a nice little celebration for him. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and then uh, and put a bit of a hurting on him. If we want to go to the playoffs and, and host a playoff game, Yes, this is a must yeah. win. Yep. You got to get this done. If you guys are capable to go to the game, make sure you go and you yell loud and proud. We're going to need the 12s out there. And uh, Moyer, man, I'm, I'm sad to say, man, this is this is it. This is I'm, I'm about to read the closing script. Look, we're going to we're going to we'll have a hug after. OK. And uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see each other Sunday. But, yeah, it's been a fun. This has been a fun year. All right. Thank you to everyone who showed up, even if this is your first time. We appreciate you guys. We were skeptical. We're like, what is this going to be like here at Bellevue Square Center Court? It's been the best venue that we've been to. So we appreciate you guys.